Hey guys, happy Wednesday and welcome to season two of the Drive Through Moms podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Nitcher. I've always had a huge heart for moms and their lifelong job of raising children, their struggles, joys, and experiences that are so often 100% different from my own. Each week we get to hear the story of an ordinary mom serving her family, community, and the Lord in amazing ways. Seeing the gifts and talents of others and watching how God has worked in their life inspires me daily. We are all in this motherhood game together, and I believe we can benefit immensely from listening and encouraging each other through what God has done in our own lives. What a privilege it is to share these amazing women with you. I'm so glad you're here. Here we go. Happy Wednesday. I'm so excited to be here today with my good friend um, who is super sweet, very gifted and wisdom filled friend, even though she probably would say she's not. Uh, Miss Angie Sneathern. Angie, thank you so much for being on with me today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited um, to do this and just very proud of you. Let me add, I think this is something that mommy's Need. I think this is something I would have benefited from. I'm old, um, but uh, this was not around when I had little. So thank you for doing yeah. this. Yeah, we didn't have podcasts. I don't no. know what that was about. No, we were no. supposed to just sit and read books or maybe flip through a parenting magazine yes. that probably cost $7 that mm-hmm. we didn't want to buy, nor had time to read. So <laughs> true. So, okay, I wanted to get into a little bit about, so just how we met, you know, we worked together, which was funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever really become good friends with my boss before, (laughs) before you, I mean, I have since then with a couple other people, but, um, you know, we worked together, um, in that setting and became good friends. We've both been married. What you've been married, what, like 30 something years? 31. Mm -hmm. Okay. Us too. Um, both have three kiddos, right? Both empty nesters. Yes. So I feel like we have we have a good shot at this being somewhat fun because we've kind of been there, done that a little bit. But right. um, but give me a little bit of background. I mean, I know, but give me a little bit of background of, you know, you and Kevin and maybe how you met. And, you know, I know where you were before you came to Texas, before I met you, mm-hmm. what you did while you were here and then kind of how you ended up back where you are okay. currently. Well, um, Kevin and I met in college. Um, he's my college sweetheart. He was a basketball player, and I had a really pretty maiden name. It was Covington. It was so pretty in English. And then I saw this cute guy on the basketball court, um, could not pronounce the last name because um, he was running. Finally, my girlfriend and I, we looked it up um, in the yearbook, and it was Sneathern, um, which is just, you know, it's hard. It's hard to say. <laughs> Um, but we dated, fell in love, and we get married this summer before our senior year or my senior year. He's a year older. Um, we've been married 31 years. We have three grown boys. Um, Colby's 29, still lives there in Dallas. Connor is 23, and Chance is just turned 20 this past week. So um, I've got a kind of a gap between mine. Um, Colby is there in Dallas as an investment analyst. Connor is in his last year in college at the University of Arkansas, and Chance is in Fayetteville as well as a freshman. And so we became empty nesters this fall. Um, but no, we met, we moved to Memphis. I'm from Memphis, and we ended up moving back there. I'm a teacher. And so we were in Memphis most of our married life and raised our boys there. And I taught um, at a big private school there. And then in 2015, Kevin would be moved to Texas for his job. We went okay, to- so I have to interrupt you. I'm sorry, yeah. that your private school yes. that you taught at, okay, refresh my memory, but I could swear that we were at work one day and you said something about SJ. Okay, yeah. And I had just seen the, the movie Blindside. Blindside. Yes. And I was like, wait a minute, that, it's not a common name. So what? what is that? Okay. So we were um, at Briarcrest Christian and the movie, The Blindside, um, the Tui family, my husband, Kevin, would coach Michael Orr, um, who The Blindside is um, the book and the movie are ap- you know, after his life. So Michael, Kevin coached him in basketball. He was one of his coaches and the Tui family, um, my son is friends with SJ. There's some um, couple of years between them. And Kevin would coach SJ as well. And just a great family, a sweet family that we knew through school and through Colby's friendship and through, you know, coaching and teaching. Um, 
And to us, they're not the big movie stars. You know, everybody says that, and they they are in their own right, but we knew them before that. We knew them in reality. Um, Just sweet, down-to-earth people. Um, And honestly, you know, they would do for anyone. And there were many things that nobody, you know, people don't know about um, that they would do for just anybody. They didn't just do things for that book. That's what I'm trying to say. I've heard articles that kind of, have an accusing spirit and like to talk about people they don't really know. Um, But I've watched them give money to kids to go on a band trip or to have a a letter jacket or to have food, you know, on their account. I'm in the lunchroom and lots of unseen things that no book would ever be written about. um, Sure. Parts. And so, but yeah, that it was interesting. And so when you say that and like people are, are, excuse me, what do you mean? I'm like, Oh yeah, I forget (laughs) because in the movie, that's not the name of the school. Um, but that's where we were in um, in Memphis. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you and go no, all fan no. all fangirl on you, but um, no, no, I just thought that was that was. I thought that yeah. was a fun story. So, okay, so you taught in Memphis, mm-hmm. and you what did what grade did you teach? I taught primarily kindergarten and first. I've taught throughout the years. I've taught every grade up through sixth grade. Um, but most of my career has been spent in the lower elementary, kindergarten and first grade. So then how did you guys get to Dallas? Was that something for Kevin's? It was Kevin's, Kevin's job. job. Mm-hmm. He gets, okay. he ends up um, in going to, into corporate in 2015, leaving teaching and coaching and with huge step of faith for us. Um, but God, it was one of those things. I remember when he told me he was going to do it. I was like, yeah, yeah. But, and we prayed through it. And in my heart, you know, there's that, especially over Christmas, we talk about, you know, Mary pondered these things in her heart that first I felt like that's who I was. I kept it to myself and I thought, there's no way, there's no way he's going to leave coaching and God's going to open all these doors. And he did. And every one of them flew open. And it was a hard move because we had raised our boys there. It's all they'd ever known. And we moved to Dallas, which is, you know, it was prosper area, but it was still, Dallas was so much, it was so different from Tennessee. And um, I had no friends, did not know anybody there. None of us did. Um, ended up joining Preston Wood um, as our church home pretty quick. And the boys would go to youth camp um, there before. I mean, we'd been there two weeks and we sent them on a bus to Preston Wood's um, youth camp, not knowing a soul. But we wanted them to get to know people and make friends. And it, looking back, it was a good decision. They came back with friends that they still talk to to this day. Um, and God just open doors. And that was one of them. He took care of us with our church family and um, the boys with great youth pastors and um, people that would invest in their lives. And I did not teach then at that time because of the timing of the move. I was a um, curriculum director at a local preschool and about a year later would become the director of the North Campus CLC, which is why I met you. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, what that do you that journey. And that, you went from that to, I mean, did you expect to move to Dallas with him being in this area, taking a job and a whole new thing where you, you know, you were just completely uprooted to start something new that maybe, I mean, had you done that before? I know you've been in the classroom, but being a leader in the classroom and being, you know, to 22 littles versus being a leader of a bunch of adults, um, you know, it's a whole different ballgame. I mean, had you planned on doing something when you got here or how did you feel like you got led I, I really thought in my heart, I really felt like I would teach in a, a private school because Texas, like Tennessee, you know, private schools are a big deal and there's a lot of them. And I felt like I would probably end up at a private school. That was just my mindset that surely that's what God would want me to do because that's been my background and that's my calling and this is how it will work out. And it did not. And when I took the job as the CLC director, you know, I, in my mind, I was like, well, okay, it's, I think it's evident you want me to do it. I'm, I'm at a loss here and I've not done this, you know, part of it. I've not been in, in any kind of administration really. Um, and I think at first I was like, well, I'll just concentrate, you know, it'd be easy for me on the kids part. I've got that down. I know how to handle little ones and help them and guide them. And these teachers, I've been a teacher. I'll just reassure them. I'll be there for them. And it was different ball game. I'm not, you know, it was, but looking back, I did love that time. And I think I learned and I grew. Um, and he had to show me, you know, I remember, you know, just claiming that verse, call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, Lord, there's so much I don't know, but I do know that we're called to point these little ones to you. That verse had been given to me um, before we left Memphis to go to Texas. And I used it in my own classroom. And it was um, from John the Baptist. Uh, he was pointing to the disciples, to Jesus. And I claimed that early on in my own room and I would use it at CLC. Um, and it was the disciples heard him speak, referring to John the Baptist, and they followed Jesus. And I just remember thinking, Lord, that's what we are. We're these little children's John the Baptist. We're pointing them to you. And they need to hear us speak and they need to follow you, not us. Inevitably, they need to follow you. And I feel like he prepared me for that role. In, and even though I didn't know that's what he was doing. And I had had in that preschool um, curriculum director job in Dallas, I had to learn minimum standards and all kinds of things that I never thought I would need to know. And I remember questioning him, Lord, I hate this part of it. Why do I have to know this? I'm a teacher. I don't need to know about, you know, what the state requires for, you know, X, X, X. But I would need that at CLC. And so he did. He prepared me for that road and was faithful um, the whole time I was there um, to, you know, help me with it. And I loved those ladies and I loved that job. I think it's so talk to a lot of different women, obviously getting ready for different podcasts and stuff that I've done. And most of the people that I talk to will say the same thing in terms of when you feel like you're called to something um, that you really feel like in your heart, okay, God's calling me to this. And I I might have to do it kicking and screaming because I really (laughs) don't feel like I I know how to do it, A, B, or qualified, um, and C, really know what I'm doing and will it make a difference. But, you know, he calls us to do things in order to glorify him by doing things that he would have to do through us. Mm-hmm. And every time, I mean, I felt the same way in multiple different situations, but each time, you know, at least over from a career perspective, things that I've done, say the last 10 years, um, each job that I've done that maybe I went into going, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Um, I've, he's provided someone to teach me or he's provided, um, you know, training or, or something to where I get my feet wet and I learn a little bit, but I, I more than anything, I learned that he was faithful in the process. Yes. I learned that he's like, I'm not going to call you to do something and then not help you get it done. You know, exactly. um, I think I said this once before on the podcast, so sorry if I'm repeating myself, but it's it, this podcast for me is an absolute perfect example of being called to do something that I'm feel 100% capable of doing. Um, and yet, the part of learning comes from doing it anyway, right. even when it's hard, knowing and trusting that he's been faithful with things in the past, whatever it was. And then that helps you be trusting for what he's going to do and have in front of you. One of the verses that when you were talking about having a verse that, you know, before you came here, um, that was obviously, and I will agree, that was your mantra when you were here <laughs> is, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're pointing these kids to Jesus. Um, that's what, you know, if we don't get all the curriculum done or our lesson plans flew out the window or we had behaviors and, you know, somebody got sick or whatever, at the end of the day, what's important? And that's what I love about you is just your ability to be a big picture thinker, look at the things that are what's really important. But that comes from, you know, a relationship with the Lord that you foster and work on. But one of the things that, um, one of the verses that, Uh, the Lord gave me kind of as I was transitioning from one thing to another was, uh, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? Mm -hmm. I'll make way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And, you know, sometimes the Lord calls you to do something that you don't even see and you don't know. And that, that trust is you don't see that there's, uh, rivers in the desert coming, um, because of something that he's planning that you don't know about and you feel like you're in the desert. But do you have your eyes open enough to be trusting and see that he's going to do something anyway? So I love that. Um, One of the things I was going to ask you about this is, so with that being your mantra, as far as, you know, as a believer and as a mom, as, you know, raising three boys, God love you. I have one and two (laughs) girls, but um, I'm going to get a little girl one day. I I am. Those boys are going to have to give me a granddaughter. I'm claiming it now. I mean, yeah, I need for sure pink bow in their hair. And if my daughter is like gray and black and white, I'm sorry because Gigi's going to be (laughs) pink. 
I love it, Gigi. You've already got one. I know. I keep calling myself Mimi. I think not because I want to be called Mimi, but my daughter has a dog named Mimi who has been here for three months, and they they've lived here. And so now I'm like, okay, kind of Mimi's kind of cool. Um, but based on that, you know, that phrase that's been so special to you, and and to be straight, honest, and open with, I know for a fact the 65 or so women that we worked with at the time was such a big thing that carries over. Um, and what they remember about you, because you held that as very dear and very important. How do you think that you really, how did that change? Because parenting your children is completely different, right? You and I yes. both know. Yes. It's very different parenting children when they're young and in elementary school or even, you know, as they transition to each phase of school. And then as they move out, um, you know, how did you really I don't even, how did you start that? I mean, was that something that you're just like, honestly, tell yourself that every day? Were you focusing? I mean, how did it change and how you pointed your own kids, much less the kids that you taught? I think um, for, well, for to answer the questions, the kids that I taught, I know for a fact when I became a mom, the way I viewed the children in my classroom it was totally different. You know, I had all of the little, and I was not necessarily, I was a good teacher when I was young um, without my own babies, but I was certainly a better teacher when I had my own. And I think that just goes without saying, because I then saw in those little faces, my own voice, I would see their eyes looking up at me when it was time to say, you know, to discipline or time to redirect. And I would think, how do I want somebody to be speaking to my own babies right now? Um, and, and what would I want them to instill in them? Yes, I want academics, and that's important to me, but they, they will get those academics. But I want somebody, it's why we chose Christian education. I want somebody to be every day reinforcing what we're doing at home um, and telling them, you know, that God loves you. He has a plan for you. Um, and the truth of God's word is worth, you know, gravitating toward and, and buying into I think at home, when they were little, especially with that first one, um, I just, I don't know. I tried to remember to keep the main thing the main thing. I mean, I, I stayed at home I, in the 90s, early 90s. That was not a popular thing. Um, we're kind of close to the same age. And you'll remember it was a big push for women to have it all. Um, you need to, you know, have your career. And you need to take the kids, let somebody else watch them and go to work. Now, that being said, by the third one, I would go back to work when he was three. So I, I'm not, I, I had dear friends who worked and, and did it because they had to and some because they wanted to. You can do whatever God calls you. I'm not a proponent of all women stay at home all the time. But I knew for me personally, that's what I was supposed to do. And it was not easy financially. We were young. Kevin was a teacher and a coach. It was hard financially. And I would question at times that decision. I was like, you know, maybe I should go back. And But just the time of life I was in, where I was, um, where we were, you know, where we were living, our family situation with who could have kept him or not. I, it, it was clear that I was supposed to be home until he went to school. And I did it. And I remember every day we had one car and Kevin took it. So we were, you know, he took it to work. We were home, just the two of us. Um, right. And, and those are back in the days when there were no cell phones, right? Yes. I mean, so like, I like you have like three channels on there because, you know, cable was like, an, you know, extra. And, you know, right. we, we didn't have not, cable. No, no, no. And so, you know, we'd walk, you know, take walks and play outside. And so it was very different. Um, young moms, I think right now, you know, I didn't have all of those things. And so I remember just every day, though, thinking, Lord, I'm so blessed to be able to be here with him. And I'm the one he's looking to. You know, it, it hit me early on as a young mom. He is looking to me to teach him about the most important things in life. I mean, I'm not just teaching him how to walk and how to talk and all those things you do with your first, you know, your baby. Um, I'm, I'm responsible we are mm -hmm. responsible as a mom and dad for telling him who created him and that you love him. And the fact that you love him more than I do blows my mind, but I know you do. And I just took that very seriously. And I just took a day at a time. And I think because my heart was open, I, I would pray, Lord, you know, help me to just be, just be quiet and listen 
and help me to be to be real when he asked me questions and help me to be right and point him in the right way. And it, it just, you know, becoming that mom just overwhelmed me with this immense need to get this right in my little human, you know, fallible body and mind. I just, because you love them with this immense love, you and I understand, you know, that you don't know until you become a parent. Um, you don't understand that, what people are trying to say until you experience it. And then you just, I was overwhelmed and I did it. I just, I just felt like I've got to give him all I have. One day I'll stand and give him an account. And I didn't do it, you know, like everybody else. I made so many mistakes and wish I could go back so many times. But I did, I did, and I still do feel like I can look them in the eye and God in the face one day and say, Lord, I, I did what you asked me to do. I did the best I could. And I took what I knew and what I had and what I learned and I sought your face and I pointed them to you. Um, yeah. I think the, one of the things that it's, it, it is hard, especially when you get um, our, kind of in our season of life when your kids are grown and they're out of the house and they're kind of, you know, they're all making their own choices and you've done different things at different times and you do, you you treat the children, this sounds petty, but you treat them fairly, but mm-hmm. you also realize that you're in different seasons with each kid, right? Because mm-hmm. I was like you, I stayed home until um, Amanda was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she was a junior in high school. And so I look back and I'm like, it was hard financially. Reggie worked, he worked downtown. And um, you, when you mentioned that about Kevin being gone and having the car, I was like, oh my stars, just the thought of being at home alone all day with children and no car, I, that would have been difficult. But but knowing that um, today to be, st- I mean, I don't walk out of the house without my cell phone, right? I'm like, oh, well, that's dangerous. What if I have a wreck and I don't have my phone? <laughs> I mean, that's how we lived our life, right? I mean, yeah. we didn't have anything. And Reggie would be gone, um, traveled a lot when the girls were little. But um, but I like you, I, I know that for me, um, I look back and I regret maybe Maybe should I have gone back to work sooner um, for financial reasons to be maybe a little more prepared for when the kids went to college? Um, we're on our 11th year of paying for college. We have one more to, one more to go. <laughs> um, but I, I, I know that I know that the Lord always had instilled in my heart about being a mom, and I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And so that for me, and it sounds like for you, that was – initially my story. That's what I, that's what I felt like the Lord was leading me to do. Um, but you said something one day we were talking about this and I was like, so what was your favorite thing about being a mom? And you said that it suppressed your tendency to be selfish. Yeah. What do you think, what do you really mean by that? I mean, I think I know what you mean, but, um, kind of like what you were talking about. You can't really explain being a mom to somebody else until they've been there until they see, Oh my stars. Yes. I would do anything for you. Right. Um, but until you get there, you don't know, but yeah, I I think, and just real quick going back, I had read an article about, um, you know, talking about pointing them to Jesus when they're young. And I was so consumed with Lord, I just want to do this right. And it was this lady, she was saying the same thing. She was like, Lord, my little girl came to me at six and wants to accept you, but is it too young? Did she know? What if I let her pray now? And then later... And she said, it was as the Holy Spirit was saying, it's my voice she's hearing. It's not yours. And mm-hmm. I thought, wow. that And that's, you know, then I've got that verse. They heard him speak and follow Jesus. Well, that resonated with me. And I thought, you know what, Lord, that's right. It's not me. I'm the one telling all the Bible stories at night. You know, Kevin and I are putting them. But you're that moment when the Holy Spirit knocks at that little door of their heart. It won't be me. It'll be you. So mm-hmm. help me trust. That as long as I point, it will be you they hear and not me. So I think I had to say that because that's Oh, no, that's beautiful. I love Um, that. But as far as selfish, I just tend to want things my way. Um, (laughs) And it's funny because people that, you know, my classroom, like moms and stuff, they're like, oh, but you're so sweet and soft-spoken. And Kevin's like, well, yeah, she is. And at work, I'm sure. But, you know, at home, (laughs) um, you know, the teacher voice goes away. Um, But I just want it. I tend to want it my way when I want it and how. And when you have that baby and those children, it it in a split second, I mean, it was, no, no, this is not about me. It's about them. And your heart wants so deeply 
to take care of them and um, love them and do for them. And that verse that says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father? And, and I think being a mom or a parent is such a beautiful glimpse, just a tiny glimpse into that unconditional, overwhelming love that he has for us, you know, because he keeps saying, you know, I want you to call me Abba, Father, Abba, Father, like Papa, you know, and the Jews would have said Papa. And it's that deep-seated closeness that parents have with children. And we know the ultimate gift was Christ's sacrifice, sacrificial love for us. What selflessness, you know, and it's here at Christmas, especially we think of, you know, I cried myself to sleep Christmas Eve because I just could not get over the fact that I had three sons home sleeping under my roof, but that God had given me his. And we were celebrating that. I'm sorry. You know, I'm a No, crying. no, you're fine. That's so, <sighs> see, that's normally me, the one crying. So I no. mean, I'm Dolly Parton and Stomach Noise. Nobody cries a lot in my presence. <laughs> um, but, um, no, you're right. There's, there's a, and I think I said this before on the show once, but there's, I thought a lot about that over Christmas too, in terms of sacrifice and Christ uh, coming for us, but the sacrifice of the father of mm-hmm. sending him, you know, as one of our former pastors used to say down the back staircase of heaven mm-hmm. um, and slipping him into a manger at Christmas, fully knowing what was going to happen, right. fully knowing that he was going to live a part of him, that he was going to grow and then go into his ministry. And then, but ultimately to be sacrificed and knowing all of that in advance, you know, there's so much that as parents you do um, that you sacrifice for their, your kids and, and you don't even have a clue what's coming in advance. Um, right. But to know what was coming and know what you were going to watch, but ultimately know that it didn't stay that way and that it had a purpose. Um you said that about the kids being home at Christmas. And I think that's always one of my favorite, this is kind of a side note, my favorite things in the holidays is once you have kids going away to college and start coming home is driving through a neighborhood and seeing all the cars in a driveway mm-hmm. because you know, all those kids have come home and um, that they're home just for a short while. And so even if it's juggling, okay, who's leaving first in the morning. So yeah. you have to back out so that I can park here. Cause who's going to work first or whatever, or, you know, it looks like a used car lot when the kids are all home from school. Um, but that just that small glimpse is just, you know, what's one of Reggie's thing that he has always said is that he wanted more than anything outside of, you know, our, our children knowing the Lord and having a deep faith and a deep reliance on him. Um, is for them to always want to come home. See, now you're going to make me cry (laughs) because there was a Bush, there was a, I think it was George Bush. I think it was senior that always said that that was really, you know, above all the diplomats and the presidents and the things of importance that he did in the world, um, that he just wanted his kids to want to come home and see him. And because that's not the case for a lot of people. So, um, it's so, so important while we have them, um, and that, that control of kind of what you said about wanting, wanting things the way you want them. I think that's partly of being a mom is that you, you spend 18 years kind of, um, navigating what you think should happen when and how, and helping them look at what needs to happen and kind of orchestrating that. And then they walk out the door and then we, we are really the ones I feel like in a huge adjustment of mm-hmm. letting go. Right. And that that order of how we want things um, is just a shift and it's a change and it's a new season. And it's beautiful. I mean, I love empty nesting. Wow. I mean, my, my kids have all been here for the last, you know, COVID has just kind of <laughs> wrecked everyone's peace, yeah. to be honest. But um, it's it's been great having them here, but it's also been so beautiful because it's almost like, wow, we're newlyweds again in, right. in terms of, you know, being able to have the house to ourselves. And I don't know, do you want to go to dinner? No, let's just eat a sandwich or <laughs> let's go to a movie and eat popcorn. I mean, who cares? It's all right. Um, cereal tonight. Who cares? So yeah, there's a whole lot of that, that kind of comes full circle that, um, uh, that I think has, you know, there's benefits in each stage, obviously, but, um, so once you've had all three of the boys, you know, in and out of school and they've, you know, 
you've obviously sounds like you worked at school with them in the same school. So you had them fairly close to you. Um, what do you remember when you look back at, you know, maybe for those moms that have littles that are getting ready to go to school or, or maybe you're still in elementary school and especially right now, such an unsettling season with, you know, right. maybe a little more fear going on with this, just the world is crazy. But what was something that you remember as a sweet time, maybe sending one of yours to school for the first time? I think um, with the oldest, um, because, you know, they're the ones that, you know, they're the guinea pig. Everything happens with them first. Um, But I remember crying. Um, I remember sitting in the bathtub crying the night before he was going to go to kindergarten. I had his little monogram backpack and everything was ready, his little outfit. And um, Kevin walked in. He goes, honey, why are you crying already? I mean, he's going to be fine. And I said, no, I, I think you think I'm crying because he's growing up. And I probably will do that tomorrow when I drop him off, but I'm not (laughs) crying for that. I'm crying because I know, I know I can say I gave that little boy everything I had for these past five years. You know, the the friends who criticized me and said, you should be working, um, you know, you should be able to do it all and he'll be fine if you leave him. And he would have been, I mean, if that had been God's plan, but, and I I remember thinking, I'm going to drop him off. Lord, I've, I've tried so hard to point him to you. And then that reassurance, and it's my voice he'll hear, Angie. You're right. I'll be with him all day tomorrow. I'll be with him every day after that. You're so used to being with him and you're so worried about him not, but it'll be me that he hears because you've trained me to do that. And that's how this is supposed to work. And then I would look in that same precious face, you know, 12 years later in leaving him for college. And, um, mm-hmm. I would hear that same Holy Spirit say, it'll be my voice he hears. He'll hear me um, because that's what you taught him to do. You and Kevin taught him to do. And and it wasn't that I was super mom or perfect Christian, but I knew I had that deep, settled peace. I messed up, but God had filled in the, he had been my provision. He had filled in the gaps and he would, they would hear him because I'd pointed them to him. I had been that John the Baptist that navigated and said, I know you listen to us and you think we have a lot of wisdom, but he's the one. Run to him. Get to him. Um, and had witnessed them, you know, come to him for salvation. And like you said, they they don't always do things. Our kids don't, because we certainly don't, as God's children, do things the way he wants us to. But there's always that relationship there. And he will always be there. And I, I know that when I am gone, you know, it, it'll be his voice they hear. Because that's who they're supposed to hear. Well, that's such a huge point, especially for, and I I know this about you to say that this would be true, that prayer is such an absolutely huge component um, for a mom. Not so much, obviously, when they're young and when they're, but I think it hits you when they go to school for the first time because they start experiencing time away from you when there are other voices. Right. There are other, there is other input. There is, um, you know, a whole other world that they're, you know, being exposed to good or bad. Right. But, right. you know, is it filtered through what they're hearing, um, from a biblical perspective? Um, and I remember when, I think it probably hit me the most, obviously when, when my first went to school, but then by the time she hit middle school, there's something about those big transitions mm-hmm. and middle school is just scary in general. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, for whatever reason, I think maybe it's our own past of coming up going, oh, I remember middle school. <laughs> that was rough. Um, but I remember taking uh, Amanda to school and dropping her off. And I was like, you know, I stay home for a reason. You are not taking the bus. And it was just how I was. And she kept begging me, begging me, mom, please let me ride the bus. And I finally let her ride the bus. And after about three or four days, she's like, if I hear the F word one more time, I just, I I don't want to ride the bus anymore. And I said, that's great. We're not doing the bus. But I remember the first time taking her and dropping her off in the carpool line and just sobbing on my way out. And, you know, thinking, Lord, this is really when for kids, it kicks in, in terms of starting to get a little bit more freedom and starting to get a little bit more time away from us and a little less control, if you want to use that word, because it's right. just, it's a, it's a real thing for me. And I, I my kids would all agree. I, I do struggle with that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, you've worked with me, you know, um, no, I mean, we all, <laughs> but it's, uh, I just really prayed 
from, it was really probably the first time that I really, really dug into, Lord, I want them to hear your voice. Make that voice so much louder than mm-hmm. the voice of the enemy that's telling them, ah, it's okay. Right. Ah, nobody really, nobody saw you. Nobody cares. <laughs> that's not a big deal. Um, because I wanted them to be so in tune with the Lord's voice in their life that they heard that first. But I think part of... Um, even as they get older, and I don't know how, if you would agree with this or not, but at, you know, once they're all of mine are adults, you know, Reed just turned 21, which is so yeah. crazy um, that you kind of, um, you, you want them to still come to you and yet you've done your job, right? right? You, yeah. you've raised them, you've raise them in the admonition of the Lord to that for God to be their focus. And it's, it's their decision, what they do. And you want them to come to you, but more than anything, you want them to go to the Lord. Um, It doesn't mean it's not hard. It, it, it's hard when they're all gone. Um, Let's see, I'm going to tear up again Um, (laughs) because it is, I mean, it's not because you're like, Oh, I need to squish you under my thumbnail. It's just like I just miss your company. Yes, right, because yeah. you're so used to be around in them. But um, I think it's part of the reason that this, for me and my heart's desire, for this podcast, uh, <laughs> I can't you're do this good. today. Uh, is that there is such? I feel like um, two or three relationships I've had through the years outside of my mom that were older women. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Cody, you're going to have to cut this part out. Um, <laughs> that were that were older women that had been there, done that, that were believers, that looked at life the same. They had the same biblical perspective that I had that helped kind of keep me on the path of what was truly important and not camping on the stupid stuff. Right. Like, you know, feel especially where you live, where we live in North Dallas, and it's a, there's very much the whole keeping up with the Joneses, and that sounds like oh, well, I don't really do that. Well, mm-hmm. in every little aspect of everything that goes on in your kids' lives at school, like oh, mom, they're selling a T-shirt for this. I don't know, that's stupid. I'm not spending fifteen dollars on a T-shirt you don't need. Well, everybody else has it, right? You know, like, write the check. Um, right. Yeah. Just and not letting those things be so important, but. I guess what I was saying is from a, from a mentoring standpoint, there's, have you ever really been a part of mentoring another mom or had somebody mentor you? Because this is really kind of my hopes for this podcast is, um, the further I've gotten into it. And I think I told you this, the further I've gotten into it is just, there's so much wisdom to be had, but we are so blooming busy in our lives that the long, deep, meaningful conversations about things that matter are very far and few between. Right. I mean, I'm including myself in that. So I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just, we're so social media frenzied and our lives are so busy, especially if you live in a big urban area, we don't yeah. leave much time for depth. No. Uh, and I, I think it's so important, but I mean, is that, have you ever like from a practical standpoint, have you ever done that with anybody, either discipleship or mentoring, or have you yeah. ever had anybody do that with you? I did. When I was um, a young mom, I had, um, and I had tremendous, um, my grandmother would be, I mean, just amazingly God, one of the godliest women I've ever met, my mom, but my grandmother especially. And, but aside from her, there was an older lady. And I remember going to her and saying, can I just ask you, you give all these, you do all these women, women's Bible studies. And I can tell you're just in the word all the time. It just flows off of your mouth. You know God's word inside and out. And I'm trying to spend time in the Bible a long time in the morning. I'm exhausted. Her name was Miss Melba. I was like, Miss Melba, I'm tired. And she was like, well, honey. And I was like, and I just feel like I'm failing God. Like I can't spend hours in his word. I'm tired. And the baby's getting up. And she took my hand. She goes, honey, listen to me. All of that will come. That will come one day. He doesn't expect that of you right now. You don't expect that little one to be able to say complete sentences, do you? I'm like, no. She goes, well, he doesn't expect that of you. Stop putting that pressure on yourself. And she said, you know, there's a verse that says, if our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart. And I just thought, oh, wow. And she said, he's bigger than this. Now, you just don't, you take that off your plate right now. If you spend a few minutes every day at his feet, 
with a humble heart that seeks him, he will honor those few minutes. And you go and you rest when that baby takes a nap because he knows you need that. Just like you know that baby needs one, a nap. Right. Right. And I think that's something that we put on ourselves because, um, and it's, and like I said, maybe even more so now with just social media of things that we see that like, oh, I need to do this study and I need to be a part of this. And I I will be honest in the church. I think there are times that when there's just so many activities at our disposal, Mm -hmm. um, that we feel like we have to do it all. Even like when the kids were little, I feel like, you know, we tried to do a lot of the things that if the doors were open, we did it. If there was a kid's activity, we did it. And I finally got to a point when the kids were in late elementary school, I was like, you know what? We're, we're dead. We're tired. It's not that we're not doing them. It's not that it's not important, but we don't need to do it all. And I think there are seasons in your life as a mom that, you know, you don't have time for an hour a day Bible study and be rested and do the things that you need to do. Um, and it's okay. It's it. There's there's different things and um, there's different seasons in your life that allow for different times and different focus. It doesn't mean the Lord went anywhere. It doesn't mean that you went anywhere. But I think we put so much pressure on ourselves because of maybe what we see other people doing. Yes. Um, but like you said, the Lord knows our heart and knows our desire and focus of of wanting to spend time with Him on whatever level that is and. It's that self-incrimination that um, that's just a tool of the enemy, right? You know, exactly. to yeah. make us feel guilty or or whatever. But um, so you guys are back um, in Arkansas. We are. And mm-hmm. So how did you guys get back there? And then you're teaching again, right? Right. I'm in kindergarten this year. <laughs> So, okay. So then that's the oldest you've taught or you, I mean, second or third grade is the oldest you've taught, but you, which, what do you like better? Do you like the littles or do you like the more elementary age? Um, I actually taught middle school um, last year. So I've gone all the way up through sixth grade and I really was fearful of being back in middle school last year because it'd been a long time since I've done it. And surprisingly, I loved it. I love the independence of it. I love that they are really gleaning. Now it's, they, they can, they have some little smart mouths too. I mean, it wasn't always easy. Trust me. Um, but I loved that you could really build a relationship with them, um, and that they were seeking. You could tell that middle school age, it is so hard and yucky. They were seeking. And, um, but I do love the littles too. I love the babies. Um, they, they both come with advantages and disadvantages in the classroom, but, um, I am, I'm in kindergarten this year, um, with those sweet little ones. Yeah, there, there's definitely, um, you're back to not as much independence if you went from no. sixth grade to no. kindergarten. No. I do love those littles. They're still, you know, on an innocent level of, uh, they just love you and they love yeah. everybody. Right. And so, yeah, that's got to be a big change from from that to, to middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, well, before we wrap up, I guess I just really want to know and talk a little bit about um you know, God teaches us different things through different seasons in our life. And, you know, like you said, in the beginning of your of your season of becoming a mother and how that kind of brought you to um, a reality or a realization, I guess, of um, getting out of some selfishness because you're just used to taking care of yourself and your husband and doing whatever, whatever you want, whenever you want, which is great. Um, and like I said, empty nesting, I do love that part again. Um, but, but what do you feel like that God has shown you these last few years? If he's shown you that as you get into motherhood, not that you're out of motherhood, but your stages change, right? right? So what do you feel like God has been teaching you like recently? I think, um, especially the past few weeks with them being home over the holidays and just listening to them share memories and talk about things from their childhood, it hit me that, you know, especially now, and I think about young moms now with all this, you know, technology and social media at their disposal, that which we had none of it. Um, and I don't know how I would have survived it, honestly, with my personality, mm-hmm. because I would have tried to do it all um, and keep up with, you know, the the beautiful, you know, layout, you know, all the photo shoots and all of the, you know, it would have been overwhelming. Um, but I think I realized listening to them, the memories that they repeat back to me, 
they're not repeating all those extravagant details that I thought were so important when I was planning all these things. Um, they are repeating moments in time in conversations and snippets that they remember of relationships. And it hit me, you know, we get so consumed and busy with the busyness of everything that, you know, I wish now I could go back and just listen a little more and be present a little more instead of trying to plan all this, you know, wonderful stuff, which came from a good place. I want it to be over the top and then to remember it, but they were going to remember things anyway. And what they were really going to remember were our times that were just more one-on-one um, and the relationship, what I poured into that. And you can't really tell a young mom that, you know, when she's being surrounded by everybody else is doing all this stuff. I don't, I need to do this, but I have a friend who she's a grandmother for the first time. And she goes, I was telling my daughter, honey, just listen to him. She's a little toddler. And she was just stopping. And you're so busy with feeding him and changing him and potty training and nap and schedules and this and that. And, you know, taking him to library time. You just need to sit and listen. He's trying to talk to you and tell you things. And if you'll just listen, you're going to miss this and you're going to regret that you missed it. And it comes from a good place. You're not trying to miss it. But I think it would be just to be present. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. But I... There's been a there's been a big part of that that um, that we've talked about around here is just you know this even when you're together you know it's hard sometimes where you're all on the phones at the same time and you're like okay we're all in the same room but everybody's on their phone and um, but having those moments where you are spending time with each other I mean like you're right they will remember sitting and playing Yahtzee. I mean, that's our new thing this Christmas. We had not played Yahtzee. I hadn't played it since I was a kid. Um, but they're going to remember those times. They're not going to remember that their shirts all matched and their pants matched and in your family photo, which was beautiful. Um, and, and like you said, all those things are good things. But one of the things that I have talked a lot about with really because it comes from a place of self-reflection and sanctification of my own heart um, has been there are a lot of good things in the world to do. There's a lot of good opportunities of things to be a part of. There's a lot of good um, activities, but it doesn't mean you have to do all of them. And yet sometimes, um, especially if you're a helper or a doer or, um, you know, just love being social or whatever, then, you know, you feel like you want to do a little bit of all of it, but you know, what's the cost of it? Um, and that just because it's a good thing doesn't yeah. mean you have to do it. You know, limit, you know, if you can figure out what it is that's really important to you um, and focus on the stuff that is important and let some of that other stuff go. And he, I mean, here we sit this saying all of this at like, I would not have listened when I was, you know, 25 and a first time mom and, and whatever. I would have been just as involved in all the social media stuff as I am now, probably more so. It's why my hands hurt, Angie. I have arthritis and it's right. why my thumbs hurt because I'm on my phone all the time. I, I would have never I thought my thumbs would hurt because I'm on the phone all the time. Um, <laughs> but it's just, you know, realizing that, yeah, we do need time to sit and be quiet and listen and, um, you know, figure out what's important, what the main thing is, the main thing. And that, like I said, is one of the things that I love the most about you is your ability to take, you know, those big, complex, drama-filled situations that, you know, we were a part of at times with um, <laughs> as many women as we all worked in, which is very impossible when you're in a school, any kind of school, right. when there's a lot of women. Um yeah. Things come up and then you're just with kids, right? Stuff comes up, but that you have an innate ability to narrow it down, knock out the noise and focus on what's important. And that's part of the reason that I wanted to have you on because you are so good at that, um, which is a gift that um, God's given you to be able to really focus on him and then translate that to not only am I focusing on the Lord, but how do I translate that to my own children and then in the future your own grandchildren right because wow. everybody says our grandkids are going to be a redo so I'm kind of I mean, looking forward <laughs> they say it's the best part I'm holding out I'm <laughs> oh I'm kind of looking forward to that 
Well, thank you so much. You know, I love and miss you. And I told Reg we're going to have to come to Arkansas and see you. Yeah. And hopefully I can get back to Texas soon, you know, and shop and eat. (laughs) Yeah, I know you need some good Tex-Mex. Just come visit your son. But thank you so much for being on. I love you. And you're just a wealth of wisdom. Um, And I know you're not on social media a whole lot. um, But... If anybody, are you okay if I share your Facebook? If oh, anybody yeah. wanted to, to just go, hey, who is this wonderful woman with an amazing no. Southern accent that I need her to be my mentor? That's so funny. Um, no, I, and it's so funny. I don't see myself the way you see me. And so I appreciate that about you. And, uh, but I do love you to pieces and think the world of you. And I think this is a great platform and, and honestly wish I'd had this as a young mom just to ask questions or just listen to ladies yeah. who have done it before me. Yeah. And like I said, not to be like, we've all got it together because Lord knows we don't. And it's just by the grace of God that we're all still standing. Um, But to know that we have been through um, things and things that we can offer and share. And and the Bible very much talks about women admonishing each other, older women and younger Mm -hmm. women. And I don't really like classify myself as an older woman, but I know (laughs) that's where I am at this point. Year seven on menopause, which is so fun. Um, good times, but I do, I do think that's a a biblical responsibility. So thank you. I just appreciate you being on so much. Well, thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks for listening to you guys until next time. Thanks for listening to drive through moms. Happy Wednesday. Hey y'all. I can't thank you enough for listening and want you to know that you have all been prayed for, for real. If you liked what you heard or it touched your heart in any way, I would so love for you to leave a great review on iTunes. But more than that, just share this with other moms that you know that might get something out of it. You can find more information about each of the episodes in the show notes, as well as our links to Instagram and the website at drivethroughmoms.org. Thank you for listening. And until next time, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday.